Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. Sorry for the uh, very rushed intro today, but I'm about to get on a plane and I need to be very quick. But uh, Josh Thomas is my guest today. You can catch Josh Thomas on tour uh, November the 8th in Canberra, two shows at the Canberra Theatre Centre, November the 9th in Melbourne at the Palais Theatre, November the 12th in Cairns, November the 15th, Sydney at the Concourse and November 22. Perth at the Regal, all the details, comedy.com.au. That is also where you'll be able to find details of my new tours. Tours, yes. I'm going to do a whole bunch of uh, new stand-up next year. A different stand-up, different shows, different places. Uh, can't give away too much at this point. Um, other than to say there's going to be three different shows in the mix at different times in different places. And um, there might even be a TOEFOP tour at some stage as well because we want to do some live shows for the 10-year anniversary of that. But... I will announce all those details when I can closer to Christmas, but uh, if you want to come and see me perform live, uh, then there's going to be plenty of opportunity to do that next year. Speaking of uh, wanting to support what I do, if you like this podcast, if you're a regular listener and you want it to come out weekly, um, there is one great way that you could do that. Go to patreon.com slash Willosophy, W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y, and uh, contribute there. You can sign up for as little as a a dollar a month, a couple of dollars a month. It all helps uh, add up and... That way I can pay Podcast Mike, Mike Hell, and of course, uh, James Fosdyke, who does all the original art. So if you like this podcast, uh, you can rate it, review it, share it around, uh, but you can also join up and support it at patreon.com. Next year, uh, if we do get enough support on the Patreon and we can do the podcast weekly, I'll look at putting up some bonus extra stuff up there on the Patreon. But this year, I'm just... Uh, trying to keep my head above the water and get everything done so uh all right this is that i've got to go i've got to go and catch a plane so i hope you enjoyed this uh, episode and i'll talk to you again next week Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. And uh, oh, guess this is how the podcast starts. I uh, ask you who you are. I'm Josh Thomas. Hello, Josh Thomas. Hello. So nice to have you here. It's, it's nice to be here. Nice to see your face. I haven't seen you in ages. And well, I've seen you on the television <laughs> and I've seen promos for your exciting new show uh, that's uh, going to be screening in the US and then mm-hmm. I assume here in Australia, right? Yes, yeah, but to to be announced, you haven't left us, you know. To you're not going to be like, no, we're not going to. No, you can have the show. You can yeah, have the show. Yeah. Someone just yeah. needs to buy it. <laughs> yeah, you can have it in in exchange for cash. That's yeah. all they're doing that now, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you don't know where it'll end up yet. What's the new show called? It's called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. It's, it's a great title. Do you when you write a show? Mm-hmm. Is that a title that you already have in your head? Does the title does the name of the show come out of the show itself, or does the is it the other way around where you're like, I've got this great name for a show, and now I just have to work out what the show is? I mean, I, the show I don't think is that connected to the title. Yeah. I just like the title. You got to call it something, mm. you know. You got to call it something, and that's what I went with. Well, because I mean, because please like me it was also there is like a bug in front There's of Josh's of face. I'm doing a good job of getting rid of it, though. You, well, you're doing a good job of grasping <laughs> the air around the bug. <laughs> But not actually going anywhere near the bug. That's sometimes basically what's happening. Facket, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I just can't help myself.
There was there was just something to what you were doing, which was like I'm going to. Well, I was. You were giving get... the impression of someone who was trying to help. I was trying to get the bug. Oh, it you got it. Away. Oh, and then you let it go. I was trying to get it out of the way without interrupting the you know the show. Yeah. So you thought that just by grasping at the air in front of you it several times wouldn't be distracting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I'm not that good with social skills. How do you feel about? Uh, Interviews in general. Like, are you a person who feels comfortable being interviewed? <laughs> no, I don't like it. Can you tell? Well, no, I, I've seen I've I've seen you be interviewed by other people, and I, I can tell. tell. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. Um, I don't like not being in control of what we're going to uh, talk about. Actually, and um, I'm not that good at like socializing generally. So, like, in my twenties, I just hung out with like four four people, and that was it. And I didn't talk to any new people. That's what my my stand-up show was about me going to America and not having anyone and having to learn like how to be a decent adult human. So I think I'm doing better at the interviews, but not on the projects which you saw, where I just, I don't, I don't know what they want from me, you know? And then you sort of having these conversations, but everyone else is sort of, they're sort of not having real conversations. They're sort of like, like you've got in your head the things that you think you're going to say because they pre-interview you. And then they've got in their head the questions they're going to ask because of a pre-interview. And nobody's having a real conversation. Everyone's in a conversation they had at 3 p.m. And no one's like there. And then um, it's all a bit, I don't know. It's a bit weird. I find them a bit weird. And I don't, yeah. When I used to do your gen and, you know, you have to do those at like 8 till 9 a.m. once a week. And you have to do the whole country and you're on with like Abby Labby and Chicken in <laughs> Harvey Bay FM. And then next is like Dingo Ringo and Star, which is that's not the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles? <laughs> and um Yeah, it's it's Dingo. Uh, the Dingo that took Azaria Chamberlain. Yeah. Uh, Ringo from the Beatles. <laughs> and and an actual star. His last name. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of times I'd just be sitting there and they would forget to turn their headphones off. And then they go, well, that was awkward, wasn't it? And I'd hear them say it. And then as the oh, year went because on. Because they don't know that you're still listening. They don't know that I'm still there. <laughs> and then as the year went on, they would like, the interviews would drop off. So I would like complain about it at the beginning of the year because it'd be like two and a half hours on them. And by the end of the year, that it would still be, I mean, I think Chicken really stuck around and one <laughs> other one, but everybody else just quit, you know? And now I don't. I don't do them very often. Uh, well, what I would like to say, firstly, is I'm, I'm glad that you came to do this. This is not a traditional interview, and I hope that we will just talk about whatever it is that you would like to talk well, this about. This is normal. This is like a conversation. Mm. I don't, When they're like five minutes, you know, and they yell at you, and they're all pretending to be excited that you're there, and it's a lie, and then you have to like do something in that five minutes, and then they, they cut to some other thing, and then I don't, I don't handle that well. It feels to me that you think a lot about the actual absurdity of the situation. Like you, you get in your own head about, you know, the, what, what you're doing, the pantomime of the performance. And when you were on the project, you actually spoke about even why you stopped doing stand up was because you started to get embarrassed about, you know, you being that people thought you thought you belonged there. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Oh man, that's way too in your own head to be able to actually do the job. Yeah. You can't do it anymore. And, and I, so I quit it, but now I'm back doing it. And yeah, it's been a weird week. <laughs> a weird week. I did, yeah, the project was weird. I don't know. And then uh, I just was in a weird mood. And then you wake up and you do like ABC News breakfast. And that's like doing an ASMR video, right? right? 
It's the complete opposite. Like you're just talking <laughs> and you're saying things are nice in a gentle pace whilst people have their breakfast so they don't feel so alone. <laughs> and nobody actually really wants you to entertain them. Right? So I do that. And then I just, I don't. Just don't be too loud. I'm enjoying my brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. And I'm, maybe, I think I get worried about like, I mean, I get worried on those shows because they're not, they're not my people really. And they're not my audience as well. So when I do like breakfast radio, you know, I was on the, on to Canberra and she starts talking about the PC brigade <laughs> and I'm on the phone and I'm like, you know, I'm the PC brigade. <laughs> You know, that's me. I'm the captain, right? <laughs> like, you know that. And I don't, I don't know what to do. And it's going to these people who don't want to hear. I mean, maybe I assume more people are more, like, kind of homophobic than they are. But, I'm like, they don't want to hear me on the way to work. They don't want this little queer in their television or in their phone, which maybe is just me. But it is on some level true. And then I get embarrassed, yeah, and then I want to go. So... There is a part of doing this job that, you know, obviously processing those thoughts, you know, is where the, you know, your great art and comedy can come from is like being aware of the circumstance and your awkwardness in the middle of the circumstance. And you can turn that into your art. But however, it can also be handcuffs from you actually being able to do your art if you think about it too much. Right. Well, I mean, I love it when I'm making my own show. Like, I don't have any when I'm making Please Like Me on this new show. I'm like. I'm like the boss and I'm very confident and um, I own the space and I love doing it because I get to make it very specific and it's the way I want it. And it goes to the people that want to, to, to see that kind of thing. But the project isn't that. <laughs> <laughs> like the project's a nice show, but those people, are they're, they're not like, they don't really necessarily have the same worldview as me no. or like are interested. And I used to get this when I used to do clubs, you know, when you do comedy clubs, and those like old geezers and they're like, you should be able to play any club and you shouldn't be able to make any audience love you. And that's kind of the thing about stand up when you're doing clubs. You should be able to kill yeah. any club, you know. And I always was sort of like, I don't know about that, <laughs> actually. I don't know why I can't just do stand up for the people that like me who have like a similar world experience for me as me. Um, and I guess maybe doing radio interviews, like I feel the same way. But that is... What you're saying is absolutely right in that, I mean, on, on the way up, there is this great pride in that, you know, you've got to be able to play every single venue that there is, but that would be like, you know, going up to, you know, Radiohead and go like, well, why, why isn't your songs, uh, your songs being played on every single radio station? It's stupid. It's silly. And but, I used to take pride in, yeah, being able to do these like outer suburbs clubs in Brisbane and I could do them. I did, that's what yeah. I did for years and years, but why? Yeah. I don't like those people. They don't like me. It's fine. I think it's okay to accept that. Like, they're not, they're not, like, I don't hate them. They don't hate no. me, but we're not buddies. Like, it's not what they want. It's not what yeah. they want to pay for. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's better for both of you. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want it. You don't want no, it. Let them let's just, just avoid it. Exactly. Why? So then, okay, let's start with you coming back to stand up and work backwards over, you know, the last few years. Mm -hmm. So. Why did you decide to, yeah, that you would come back to stand up? Me quitting wasn't some big meltdown, by the way. It was just me. Being no, like, no one knew. I know. I you just, did it in silence. I just was like, nah. Yeah. I was like, I said to Kevin, our manager, yeah. I said, I don't reckon. <laughs> I don't reckon anymore. And he said, but you know, and I said, I'm not going to have this conversation again. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And I'm not going to do it. Uh, and then I feel like I had stuff to talk about. So I did a show. I wanted to come home. That's actually a big part of it. And... Um, and I feel like I had stuff to talk about. Because that's the other thing when you, when you when I was doing stand-up in my 20s is 
there were years where like I had to do a show to eat, mm. and I don't know if that's like a good situation for me or the audience. You know, you want the artist are we calling ourselves that yeah. these days well we can hear we can hear yeah like on this safe space that is this podcast absolutely 100 percent. you're an artist and we're two artists having we're a conversation about our art exactly you want them to have want to be there or have something to say and that's why they're turning up but when it becomes your job and i didn't have you know when i got please like me it was not my job anymore but like uh when it becomes your job to do that to make money, that's not a good show. And I felt like I was doing that. I was like not doing good shows. So when I got another job, I was like, I don't. I need to take a break from this because I feel like I'm not like delivering. I'm sure you would have had years where you felt like you had nothing to say, and you were like, I don't like this show as much as my other shows. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And but I think probably the difference being that that's the attitude that I need to check sometimes in the other things that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, in the stand up thing for me has always been the the place where I want to put my ideas first. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I have a good idea, often I'm like I get resentful of the other things in my life that might chew up that idea because I was like, Oh, this would have been good great stand-up. for my stand up yeah. or this would have been good for my act, which is and I kind of feel like for you, stand up hasn't you know, had that same, you know, priority of being this is the number one thing that I want to pursue. You've had other ways that you wanted to express what you wanted to say. Yeah. I mean, it was that when I was, until I was like 25. Yeah. And then I just, I don't know, I got a bit. But you love it. You just always want to get up there and tell your jokes. Well, I've had a, I've had this year, I've had like uh, nearly nine months off by the time I get oh, into really? it again, which is the first time in a very, that's my version of quitting stand up. You took like a break. Yeah. To, I've taken, I thought I'm 25 years in. Mm-hmm. I have, I've never taken a break from it. I need to take a break from it for some other reasons as well, but I just needed to take a break and it's been great. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> stand up's not healthy. No. <laughs> you know, sometimes I see yeah. Dave Hughes and he just, yeah. you know, does so much yeah. stand up. He just loves it yeah. so much. And, um, I look at him a bit like a recovering addict. Yeah. Like well, I quit and I look at him a bit like, you can, you can quit too, man. You can quit for a bit. Come to want. a meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you can take a break. Come for a meeting. You don't have to speak. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's Comedians Anonymous. <laughs> and what, you, what we do is none of us get up and talk. <laughs> we just sit around in silence, not riffing, not joking. Not miming. No one mime. No. no. We're just in silence, mm-hmm. contemplative silence, comfortable in each other's company. Um, so then, so if you've take a break and you, the the thing that I, the reason that I never stopped was that I did have a suspicion that if I stopped for a bit that I, that I might never go back because, oh yeah, life is much easier when you're not thinking about what your (laughs) next show is. And when you're not riding the highs and lows of night to night validation or not, not just night to night validation, but joke to joke validation, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but I think people don't even appreciate that. Within a show, even if you were like, that was a good show tonight, there will still be moments within that show where you regret every choice yeah. you've ever made in your life that's brought you to that moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, so to step away for so long and then to come back, what, what were the ideas? What were the things that you wanted to say that you were like, well, these things belong in stand-up rather than in my new show? Coming back is a bit like when you have to, when you get out of the pool and then you have to put your wet bathers back on and you don't want to put the wet bathers back on. But then you get back in the pool, it's fine. Have you started again? Not yet. No. I'm not doing spots. That was a big thing for me. Oh. I did one spot this week and I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do any spots. And I did one spot and I, I hated it. Like I don't I don't like Okay, so why no spots? Because it's not your audience? I don't like the like 
backstage kitchen. I don't like everybody there with their notes writing and their their anxiety and their like walking around like it's important. I don't like that. <laughs> I like to set the tone on my own backstage myself. Yep. Um, and what is that, by the way, for if you're key. doing your shows? What yeah. is the tone backstage? I'm just fine. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't actually find it that scary. It's another reason why I sort of quit as well. Honestly, I don't find it that scary anymore. So for me, this show is like, I've got some stuff I want to say. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say it. Um, some bits aren't as funny as other bits. Some bits are like really funny and I feel good about that. And, um, that's what it is. It's a bit more similar to my like TV show and I feel good about that. I can't remember why we were talking about this. Uh, well, you were talking about why you're not doing spots. I'm not doing spots. I don't like the room. I don't like, I don't like walking off stage and having to see everybody else and their eyes (laughs) and then how they feel about your spot, which other comedians is like varying. Some of them are mad you did well. Some of them are delighted you did bad. Some of them are feeling really sorry for you. And some of you are lying to you, you know, and I don't like, I don't like all those faces coming at you. I just don't. And I don't want to, I'm never going to do it again. And, um, I think that's fair. Uh, is there something about, you just mentioned, much like your shows, I, I, I am intrigued by the idea of, because one of the things that I notice sitting in the audience for performance is that the pace that you think you need on stage, yeah, the relentless hilarity, you know, mm. that you believe you need when you're standing up there, isn't actually what necessarily an audience wants. Like sometimes an audience likes a moment to breathe or a moment to feel sad or a moment to take time to build a story or an idea so that when it does become funny, it is extra funny because the work was put into building the world or the idea or the, the thought experiment. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's like, it's kind of nice that stand-ups relax a little mm-hmm. bit and then you could take those moments now. Cause also like, I would sit in shows that were funny and everyone around me would be mm-hmm. laughing but I would be like, I don't actually like hearing this that much. Yeah. Even though I'm like laughing, I don't like, I don't know, maybe I've heard it before or whatever. So you can, I think sometimes trick yourself into thinking the noise is like the A plus, but finding other things and ideas and giving the audience something else, I think is really important, especially now. I mean, they expect that now. I don't think it's even, they expect you to come with more than jokes, I think. But I think that you were you know, often, right at the, you know, a, a little ahead of your time on that, you know, particularly with Please Like Me, you know, you, you understood that, you know, I mean, you were, you were doing a lot of traditional, you know, comedy opportunities, like anyone who comes up through, you know, the scene, you're suddenly, you know, doing galas and, you know, yeah, like uh, talking about your generation and people know who you are and you have these opportunities. And, Let's not forget Celebrity Splash. And of course, Celebrity Splash. Yeah. I mean, obviously I was going to save that till the end because <laughs> it's the big one. <laughs> I think you got Please Like Me off the back of Celebrity Splash, did you not? And, but you're doing all these sort of things and then you, you get the opportunity to make your own show and you don't make a, you know, traditional half an hour sitcom show or a, you know, a panel show of your own or anything like that. You make this thing that is, you know, a, a sweet and sometimes sad and funny and you know, a, a, I, I, I don't know how you describe what Please Like Me is, but you clearly... We were just going for realism, right? That was my thing. I was like, I want to like reflect my life. I don't want to base it on other TV shows. I want to base it on like what my life is, which is usually really fun. Sometimes bad things happen, but people don't react to sad things in my life like they do on TV. Usually, usually they're like trying to make themselves feel better. There's like an uplift, um, and that was the whole pitch for Please Like Me, which people do a lot now. Um, I don't know what was the question to answer. Well, I just the yeah, I didn't want to, and I think also when you're in. 
I don't I don't do well with like lies. I don't do well with like people pretending. You know, I don't like it. Like mm. people pretending like that they're excited about the marketing call. I just don't like I just shut down. And I think doing all that all those shows which like you uh, and, and everyone's sort of pretending they're in a good mood mm. and stuff or whatever. Yeah. Well, it is. Like it's it a contrivance. Much. It's a. It has to of be. Of course, right? it is. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to turn on the project and have Gary turn yeah. up and be like, "Sorry, guys, I'm just Sorry, like, tired yeah. today." I actually don't really care about this story at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a lot of shit going on in my life. <laughs> I filmed three ads this week. <laughs> I have a lot of money. I don't even need to be here, to be honest. I would prefer to watch oh, that. Harry's show. pretty pretty honest <laughs> today on the project. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, you, you come back to stand up. You're not doing uh, spots. So how do you work up the show? Then I'm interested in the process of like how is it that you like have you done a trial? Have you done trials I of do the like entire full show? Trials. So yeah. I started at a, a 90 minute trial. So I like wrote it all similar to the process I do for my show. I yeah. wrote it all. And then I got up and I've been reading it. I've been doing it. I've done like maybe eight or nine. Every night I've been sitting down. Last night I stood up for the first time. Oh. The big moment. And uh, did you feel like that brought something to the table? I like it up? better sitting yeah. down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm grappling with whether or not I can um, do the actual whole show in a in sitting a chair. down, holding a clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> really I think wanted... you could definitely sit down. Like I mean, these days, you know, you see comedians sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, usually I used to sit down when things weren't as funny. Yeah. So I would sit down as a sign uh, that like, to the like a sad bit or something. Yeah. Like, just Guys, to, like, it's stand-up know. comedy. <laughs> yeah. When I stand up, it's the comedy. And when I sit down, <laughs> it's the other bit. Quite literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to do. It's probably what I'll do on this show. Because <laughs> then they just, like, I'm like, I'm letting them know yeah. that I know. Yeah, I also know different. this bit's not funny. Yeah. yeah, see how I sat down? Mm -hmm. I've given you guys the visual clue that I also know this bit isn't the hilarious bit. Yeah, it's useful. It's good, man. Yeah, I do stand-up comedy and sit-down dramedy. That's my that's my act these days. It's it's really good for my core strength as well. I'm sitting up. I'm standing. I do feel a little nervous that people listening to this are going to come to my show and they're going to... I'm going to sit down and they're going to be go. thinking about go. this I'm and not go be in the, in the very poignant moment that I've been working towards. <laughs> I've been trying to build. Um... What what do you look at a show as an opportunity to do? Is there an agenda like in that what you would like to say? Is there a part of you that you would like to share with an audience that you can share live that you can't through your other work? Uh, I mean, it's it's just about not having to ask permission, right? Like when you make TV shows, especially this American TV show, there's like I would do notes calls to seventeen people on the call to talk about an episode outline for episode two, right? You know? Um, and that's just, it's exhausting. So just not, just being able to do what I want and make it the way I want and get up there and try it and kind of also like, I think reconnecting with the audience is like quite useful and quite nice. And I don't know, I wanted to, the, the, I wanted the attention. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting though, because it felt like for a while you didn't want any attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I grew up and I thought, no, I should take it while it's on yeah. offer. <laughs> Shouldn't I? I'm deteriorating, you know? <laughs> Uh, you say that, but you're clearly not. You're a young, vibrant person, <laughs> Trush. Yeah. Um, but do you have a level of kind of, I don't know, it, like I can, I always wonder where the line is between your self-deprecation, you know, that the, you are aware of you, you know, yourself, you know, mm -hmm. but where it intersects with reality. Like, how, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how much of it is, you know, yeah, uh, this is Josh being me. brilliantly self-deprecating or is this like, 
reality. I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Tom was in Venice since I was 12. Words. He said, I just can't tell if you secretly love yourself or if you secretly hate yourself. And I'm like, it depends, babe. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on whether it's Tuesday or Monday or whatever, you know. Sometimes you have good days, sometimes you have mm. bad days. Every, everybody, no? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I would go a step further than that and say often in one day, you can go from something really terrible to something really great within the yes. one day or the Moments. one morning. Yeah. yeah. No one does this job and doesn't have, like, confidence in themselves. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, of course, everyone that's doing this is, thinks that they've got something to do. Of course, they do think they should be up there. Right? Well, the very premise of it is that, like, you know, please... Uh, please, thousands of people, gather in one place at this allotted time so you can hear me just say stuff. Yeah. You can watch me do what people do for free every <laughs> single day. Well, for one hour, shut up and listen to me. For a lot of money. It's expensive yeah. now. I quit six years ago. It was 33 bucks. Now it's $55, mm-hmm. which freaked me out. But then I realized that's how much it costs to park in this city. Yeah. So it's fine. So as long as you're more amusing than a good park. Than a good car park. Than an all-day car park in the city. Or like the price of getting like a taxi to the airport versus an Uber. I was like, like, maybe it's not that much anymore. But I can't, because we don't make more per ticket. I don't make more per ticket. No. But everything just got so expensive. Uh, It is an interesting having to put value on yourself. I think that's always, you know. Yeah. and, And there's probably a number that makes you feel uncomfortable as well, where you're like, no, I don't think I'm worth that. I've had those discussions with, you know, when, you, when you'll have a discussion with management about what your show should cost mm-hmm. and they'll say, well, you know, so-and-so came out and they charged, mm-hmm. you know, this much. And I'm like, yeah. well, I could never, I could never <laughs> charge anybody that much to hear me talk. I feel like that's so-and-so yeah. and there was Henna Gadsby. Yeah. <laughs> was it, Gadsby? it wasn't actually, it was Mark Maron, <laughs> the one I was thinking of, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, okay, so uh, you've just done this show in America. Um, tell me, uh, what, what is the difference between, you've obviously hinted at it a little bit already, but what is the difference between making the show in America versus like, you know, making a small, you know, show here yeah, for the ABC? You've lived in America. Yeah. What do you think about it? I mean, I'm conflicted like most are you back things. now or are you living there still no i'm i'm back now i still have yeah. a visa so i'm hoping to go back and do some but i got just uh, the way that i describe it to people is it felt like you know america itself is so divided because i was loving doing stand-up mm-hmm. that was mostly what i was there to do you know like i yeah i was touring a lot and it was honestly the best fun i'd had in my life because so much of it so much yeah. and no one the clubs are always full they're not there to see me but like I was, you know, unique enough and good enough at what I do that the shows were always great fun. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I had any responsibility. Like, you know, these people are just paying for a night out at comedy. I'll, I'll spend a week in Chicago just going to art galleries and walking around Chicago and then for an hour a night go and tell some dick jokes to some strangers mm-hmm. in a place that I may never go back to. You're saying it like it's nice, but it's like uh, someone whispering to me, like, I have my worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> right. Saying this, I was so happy that it's good for you. But it was. And yeah. I, I was excited by it. But the more that I would do it and the more that I would travel, particularly you know, post-Trump, I would realize just how divided as a country it was. And people on both sides of that divide were just becoming so dogmatic about you know, their opinions and their mm-hmm. approach. And, and the way that I would describe it to people, it was like, you, the, you were friends with a really nice couple. And then every time you started going out with that couple, they would just argue <laughs> with each other and you loved both of them, but there was nothing that you could do to fix this. They need to fix it themselves. 
and then you can be friends again. You can start going out to dinner again. And, and they're I, doubling down. Yeah. Those Trump supporters are doubling down. It's not like he does like illegal things and they like no. back off. They're just no. like the more crazy he gets, the more they're like yeah. happy about it. I don't ever come in contact with Trump supporters. I like hear about them from the people that I hang out with because I'm like just in Lally, you yeah. know. I just uh, I like I like uh, I like Americans now, but it took me a while to like figure out what to do. What was you... the major cultural thing that you had to figure out? Well, you can't be self-deprecating to them. No. If you say to, they say to you, like... "How's your show going?" You're like, "Oh, yeah. it's fine." They are like, "Oh, oh. yeah, it must be terrible." What What's wrong yeah. with it? And um. So I had to learn how to like compliment myself yeah. and just go out. And like in America now, I am just like, yeah, I'm doing a show. It's going really well. Thank you. I'm excited about it. It goes to air on this date. You should watch it. Yeah. Um, I'd love you to watch it. Yeah. I say things like that. So <laughs> it's almost believably I say stuff like that. That was like a big shift for me. And um, yeah, I found that very much so. Like, you know, when somebody would, like, you're in a meeting and some agent or manager or whatever is pitching you to somebody and they're like, you know, he's done this and he's done this and he's achieved this. And you'd be like, ah, yeah, but it's not really a big deal. And the person across the desk, you go, you'd see them sort of go, oh, oh. that's not a big deal. Well, he said it's not a big deal, so it must have been a big deal. They go, cross through that name. He said it's not a big deal. Like, oh, also, I thought about their stuff. You're not meant to do that. You're meant to do the meeting. You're meant to say, yes, I'd love to do yeah. this job. Everyone just says to you, I would love to work with you. You say, I'd love to work with you too. We're absolutely going to do this. And at first, I would be at the end of the meeting. I'd be panicked. I'd be like, actually, no, I don't want to do this job. Like This guy's like, you know, you could write the Hot Wheels yeah. movie. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to write the Hot Wheels movie. <laughs> like I finished, I said, oh, no, I'm not going to write the Hot Wheels movie. And I've learned to be like, no, yeah. I'm also Mr. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, the Hot Wheels movie, of course. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'd love to write the Hot yeah. Wheels movie. And the sequel. It sounds great, man. It's Cars. <laughs> sequel, prequel, three-picture deal. Be good. Yeah. I'm so glad they're doing a movie of that, is what you meant to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it, there's been. I've had a lot of uh, questions about the Hot Wheels <laughs> franchise that have never been answered. The thing show there is... Um, Everyone there is like so ambitious mm. and they're looking for the next thing and they're hoping this is going to be the thing that gets them the next thing. Whereas making a show here, you know, our crew isn't like, oh my God, if I film this right, maybe I'll get to go and film Rosehaven. That's <laughs> like, not what they're thinking. <laughs> they're just happy to be there and they're like, oh, this is an interesting show, isn't it? Um, and they're just wanting to know whether the bosses are nice, right? But like in America, they're all like trying to they're looking at you with this like eagerness and this like hoping to get something and the very like next season or, uh, and that's just been like a weird thing to get used to. And also I have to like treat as being real. Like you have to be careful how you talk to them and stuff. Cause to them, it's like such a big mm. deal. Everything. How you spoke about the idea that, you know, when you were gr growing up, you had, you know, a group of four, you know, four, four type friends mm -hmm. and suddenly you're in a, a foreign country, you know, and not just, I mean, America in some ways, I think fools you as well because it almost looks the same as here. It's so different, but it's so different. Mm -hmm. And so how did you acclimatize? How was there a real struggle to go? How do I fit in here? How am I going to make friends? How am I going to build a life here? If I'm going to have a career here? Yeah. Yeah. For like, like a couple of years, I was going there like three months of the year to hang out before I moved there. And, uh, I just, I mean, just having no friends all of a sudden in any country is weird. And then having no friends in a country where you don't really know how to talk their language actually is like, but I have friends now. Don't worry. 
I've got friends. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to. That was going to be my next question. Do you have friends now? No, I've got friends now. Everything's good there now. But for a few years, it's just... And LA is just a weird city. Like, you are just so isolated. People, everyone goes crazy in LA. I've never known anyone to move to LA and not go nuts. Can I, but can I ask this? You have an opportunity when you move overseas to slightly reframe, you know, who you are, mm-hmm. how people see you, you know. Yeah. Did you take advantage of any of that? Were there aspects of, you know, Josh Thomas that you left behind in Australia and you, you wanted to have this kind of like, no, this is the new overseas Josh Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. This is like what my show's about. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. like me like uh, turning up and like complimenting people's shoes and asking them <laughs> questions and saying how nice it is to see them. It was nice to meet you. We should do this again. Like just all those things I just would never think to do here. Like I, And like, I, I mean, I baked bread. I started baking bread. I bring it over for dinners and stuff. I was like, I was like, I have to put myself out there. Cause here I never, I mean, you've seen me out. <laughs> I'm just hunched over. Did um, you feel like that? But have you enjoyed that? Like, I mean, there's a process of at the start where I imagine some of that stuff was quite confronting to go remember to, you know, put yourself out there. And I'm, I, I am extremely guilty of this. And I notice as I get older that I, I was recently um, invited to a, an event and it was one of those, it was kind of like a, you know, future ideas sort of thing. And it was up at Byron Bay and they get a bunch of, you know, artists and futurists and, you know, people and they all spend a few days together and, you know, think about the future and create ideas and blah, blah, blah. What's your future ideas? Well, but this is my point is like the person who was pitching it to me, I could see how excited they were about this thing. And they were listing people who'd been to it that I admired and liked and whatever. But I was like, that's like my worst nightmare. (laughs) The idea of being like in the same place with a whole bunch of strangers and having to like, I, I find it very hard to talk to strangers and I find it very hard to, you know, communicate in a way that we have to make new friends and you have to like, (laughs) you know, know who people are. It's brutal. It's carnage. It's it's really hard work. Yeah. So did you find it hard work? Yeah, it was really hard work. I did it. But then now they're like getting to know me better and I'm I'm doing it less. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, now once you've got a bit. Oh, you tricked me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not looking for new friends now. I've got you guys. No, you guys. And you're going to tell you the true, my true feelings. They're like, where's the bread? I don't like like those shoes actually. I actually don't like them. <laughs> and why bread? Why did you start making bread? I'm well, interested I in you. Yeah. But why bread? It like, takes a long time. Mm, fills a day. Okay. And it's so cute, isn't it? Like you turn up, oh, I made my own sourdough or whatever. I don't know. I just, I didn't know what to do. I had n- nothing to fill my day. I was meant to be writing a book, mm. but I got tendonitis, so I couldn't write. I couldn't type. So I was just like <laughs> standing around. It was like insane. So tendonitis in your... Well, I mean, in your wrist. Yeah. And was it terrible? Like, like it was it a long-term tendonitis? Yeah, Yeah, I got this new keyboard. Now I can type. But at the time I couldn't, I like had to not do the book. And then we were in development and they like took ages, but you can't take another job. So I was just was like hanging around. So I baked bread. I don't know. There's no, I don't do it now. I've got a job. It's not something I'll ever (laughs) do again. It's a lot of people who are just like, we haven't had a sandwich in like months. <laughs> I think Josh bread. has got a job now. Yeah. Well, not very good bread over there though. That's a, it's a it's good, true. it's a good thing to bring to LA is some decent bread. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. A lot, so lot of sugar. So, um, the premise, the loose premise of this podcast is that, um, I ask people if they have a particular philosophy to anything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I'm going to ask because if I don't ask, then people, 
you know, get mad at me for not asking at some point in the podcast, but do you have a philosophy towards life, love, work, anything? Yeah, it might not shock you that I don't, but um, I've been trying to think of stuff. Well, because I'm doing after this, I'm going to do a Miff Warhurst thing. Oh yeah, and I have to bring in an inspirational quote. Oh, so I've had a. Big you can just morning, use the same one for both. <laughs> a big morning. I'm fine with trying that. Trying to work out what. What's your inspirational quote for hers? Well, I sent through this um, this Albert Einstein one, but mm. I don't like I. My do you, honestly, uh, firstly, do you know that it is actually Albert Einstein? Because there's a lot of quotes floating around the internet. That are meant to be Albert Einstein that aren't Albert Einstein. Well, I don't. No, I, so now I'm worried about that. Have I'm I thrown a spanner into the mix now? Kind of before her. Yeah. But it's I like don't... this Albert Einstein quote. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. That's what he said. <laughs> I, like, I found it on the internet. Well, I because my I'm all this morning. I was like, it just I just was like I was just like just I hate inspirational quotes, mm. and I always read them, and I'm always like, no, just do it, just do it, right? But that's that's a Nike quote. I can't take that in. Right. Well, you can. It's an inspirational quote. It's also an advertising slogan by a major corporation. But it's it is like this is. I'm just yeah. like, just go and do the thing. Mm. Just go in whatever it is. Yeah. And like when I'm at work, my, absolutely my philosophy is like just make a decision. So you like uh, all day, every day when you're making a show, everything in the everything in the frame gets past my desk, right? The mm. wallpaper, the the cast, the hiring everybody. So every day there's like 700 decisions, and my thing is just like. It's an overwhelming amount of work to do. And the way I'll get through it is I'll just be asked the question. I'll answer the question. I always make sure you give an answer. I used to sometimes say I don't mind, but they don't like that. No. You just pick one. Yep. And that's my thing. Just get it done. And then you get to go home. Um, And uh, so what I picked. So that is just do it. though. Well, but but you know what? But yeah, but I just, you know, maybe you could just say, just, just pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. See, that's not just do it. Just that's just pick, pick one. one. Get something on the page. Don't say I don't mind. Just yeah. pick one. You can't like, you know, people write and they freak out about whether it's good. It's like, just get something on the page and tomorrow look at it back. And if you have to change it, change it. But otherwise, like that's, that's, that's my thing now. Just go and do something and you'll get it done. Okay. So I'm, I am absolutely fascinated by like that process. So if you're sitting down to say, you know, write an episode of, of the new show, do you just sit down and write and just say, I'll go back and fix what I need to fix later or? We uh we we structure it. Yeah. So when Obviously, I sit down to actually yeah. write, I'm doing I'm working from a scene breakdown and then I have to go in and write the dialogue basically. And yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, obviously I spend the day walking around and I sit in the backyards and then I find myself cleaning out the cupboard or whatever. But when I finally sit down, I'm like, just type some dialogue in and it's usually fine. And then sometimes it's not fine. You go back and change it. But that's, 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 you just have to, when you're delivering 10 scripts and, 20 weeks it's like just type something up and at least have something to talk about or work from yeah no all your your all your mottos are just do it it's just I've do it. they're just different versions of just do <laughs> just it do it. I don't know. <laughs> you should actually get a nike sponsorship for your stand-up tour because your motto to life is just do it just you can't and like people will i'll go into meetings and they'll want to be like but what about this or what about that or what about this and well, what if that happens and then you're just like yeah that could happen but we don't really know. So let's just go with this thing that we've got and we'll change it if we have to change it. And that's how, that's how I think you have to be when you make a TV show. Um, the quote I sent into yes, today, but I don't, it's not like... Say it. I no. just had to pick a quote from before. Yeah. Was, uh, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. 
Are you, can you uh, Google that, Mike, and see if, uh, if it Albert is Einstein? actually an Albert Einstein quote? It sounds quote? Einstein-y, right? I don't know. I never met Einstein. I don't know. I don't know how he talks. <laughs> I had him on the podcast. Did he was you? one of the original guests. Well, that's yeah. huge, man. Yeah, and weirdly enough, his motto was um, <laughs> uh, "Everything's going to be all right." Really? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it, do you know much about Einstein, or did you just respond to the actual quote itself? Uh, how did I find this quote? Yeah. How did you find the quote? The real way I found the yeah. quote was, um, oh, it's so, I don't want to say it, it's tell boring. Me. Please no. tell me. Well, I Googled, um, cause I got ADHD quotes. I got ADHD and I wanted to find something. I wanted to find something that was like, I was like, I think apart from my really good, just do it quote, mm. <laughs> I think I wanted something that was about knowing that like people's brains work differently and that, um, that like going through life expecting people to be interpreting the world the same way you are is not going to be helpful to them and it's not going to be helpful to you and also knowing that your brain works in a certain way and finding out what it's good at and not um, and like leaning into what it's good at instead of trying to be what people's expectations are and, and leaning into that will make you more successful it will make you more happy so I wanted a quote that said that so I put in ADHD quotes because my, my TV show at the moment also is about this girl with autism. So I'm doing a lot of like in autism and there's a lot of quotes about like trying to be aware of everybody else's different kind of sensory functioning or whatever. And then I found this quote, which is that really tidy from Einstein. So I was quite happy. So, but it, it, it's it. I mean, I think it's a really appropriate quote in a lot of ways, because like you said, it's thematic to the work that you're making at the moment, but it's really just a different version of you saying, I don't need to be able to play all the clubs. Exactly. You know, I just need to be able to make you know, the, the work that I want to make for the audience who wants to come and see that work. I don't need to make it work at the Bankstown RSL or whatever. And I think that's, that's, that's my philosophy, I think, is like... I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, I think we did it. It's good, huh? We did it. I we, think it's good. We nutted it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just choose one anyway. <laughs> so we well, just picked that one. You do like, I don't know, what were you like in school? Uh, I was I, I was pretty good at school in that, like, I my, you know, I find it hard to talk about in a genuine way what my strengths are, but, you know, I'll, I'll say this genuinely. Mm -hmm. I think my greatest strength is that I comprehend things very easily. So I don't necessarily have the widest, you know, knowledge group, but if you had something to explain to me and you sat down and explained to me, I would then understand what it was. Mm -hmm. I, I, my comprehension is good, which just is a, do it. You get it. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, hang on. What does he mean by this? <laughs> he means now just, uh, uh, but I can understand quite complex things. If they're explained to me, I can go, okay, now I, I understand that. Um, which makes school an okay thing. Mm -hmm. Because most of it is really just comprehension. It's learning, you know? yeah. yeah. But I don't have necessarily a great memory. I don't have necessarily a great recall for things. Like, what about like your mood in class? Uh, distracted. Yeah. Because because I got things, like if you explain things to me quickly, I get it the first time. But not everybody in the class You're gets things the first time. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I get this now. Move on to something else. So I think probably annoying to teachers yeah. would be my <laughs> suspicion. Yeah. What about too. you? I mean, not good. Yeah. I really hated it. I hated being there. I would cry like every day, right. find some new thing to cry about. Um, and it is just like a place where you're sort of taught, you know, you're always get in trouble for my like uniform being messy or 
You just, I feel like that's always, you're always getting in trouble for the things you're doing wrong. And it's not good at like catering to weirdos schools. I mean, they're better now. So I always felt that's why I, that's why I like that quote, I think, because I just always they always made me feel like I was failing and that you had like nothing to offer because you're like untidy or your handwriting's bad. But I don't really need to be either of those things. Um. So, OK, well, then talk to me about um, the idea of. You know, when you're writing a new show, you're putting together this show and it's around, you know, like, like you said, one of the characters has autism. One of the characters? Yeah. More than one of the characters. One, yeah. One. Oh, well, there's others, but yeah. yeah, there's one main one. But yeah. So from the, I've only obviously seen the, 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 the trailer, ad. the yeah. ad, the no one's preview, yeah. the something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but it did occur to me straight away. I'm like, well, then when you're making a, you know, uh, a show where somebody is differently abled in that way, their brain works in a different way. How much, you know, understanding of that, do you have coming to the table? Like how <laughs> sensitive are you around how you deal with that? Is it close enough to, you know, your own worldview that you think, I know I'm sympathetic enough to, you know, what's going on here? How much research did you have to do to be able to kind of write those sort of characters? Or is that, am I overthinking it? No, that's a, that's was my that was my life, right? Yeah. Um, I got really interested in autism because I felt like it hadn't been portrayed very well. I have ADHD, which is like autism adjacent, right? So I have like some insight into um, some aspects of it, um, and otherwise it's research. But the difficult thing about autism, but also the really thing that sets you free as a writer, is it's very personal and very specific to each individual. So it's not about writing someone with autism per se, it's about writing a very specific individual with a very specific worldview. And autism presents for everybody like very, very differently. Um, it was kind of in Please Like Me, I had a character with bipolar, and it was like, what's a person with bipolar like? And it's like, no, we don't have to figure out what that is. We have to figure out what this specific person was, which was easy for me because it was based on my mum. Um, so we did a lot of research, and we found, like, I found a kind of type of girl that had autism in different things. Like, like kind of a, I kept seeing, like, a similar kind of girl. You see this, like, a pattern of people when you're building a character that have sort of things in common. We based her on that. Um, and... It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of one of the nice things about writing with autism is you get like, you know, because she's a teenage girl and you get these lists of like seven challenges of girls with teenagers that have autism. And it's like, oh, well, that's our season. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like seven episodes just listed for you. Yeah. But then, yeah, I gotta, you don't want to screw it up because this, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a girl with autism as a main character on a TV show. And I definitely think there hasn't been one that's played by a girl that actually has autism. Our actor Kayla is like she's on the spectrum, um, and when you are representing groups that don't have that very much, don't have much representation, they get really attached and it becomes super important to them. They can get frustrated that they're not being more represented in that person, or if you do something that's like a bit false, they can get really upset about that. So it's a it's a high stakes thing to do. Do you know who uh, Kathy Lett, the Australian author humorist, yes. is? Okay, so just uh, a, a couple of hours ago, we sat in this studio and I interviewed Kathy uh, Lett for this podcast, and I asked her at the end of the podcast, you know, of all the things that she's done in her career, and she's had a, quite an amazing career, you know, both here and, and internationally. Yeah, what what was she most well in her life? What was she most proud of? And she spoke about the fact that her son, who has autism, got cast in, I believe it was the EastEnders, but like he's in one of the big British, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, television shows, you know, and 
that you know playing you know but having autism but also representing you know as a character you know people with autism and and that it was you know the 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 most proud moment of her life you know and it had, and so to hear you say that and you know, so often you know we talk about this idea of like if you can see it you can be it or you know rep, you know why representation matters so much but yeah. it it clearly does for yeah, that reason yeah. and then it's a massive responsibility if you're the person who you know is going to deliver the vehicle in which this person gets to you know be themselves and play this character and you know represent that so how 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 heavily do you feel that responsibility as like a, a creator I don't think when making this show I don't try not to think about it you know because that's not my that's not my philosophy well <laughs> Just do it. Get it done. Your philosophy just is do the best we swoosh, can do and just get it do done. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get I don't let it in. But we did we did a screening to like an autism film festival uh-huh. in an outlet mall in in America. Yeah. <laughs> and uh they were really happy. So I feel really good about it now. Um I mean I had this when I did um this on this like representation thing. When I did Please Like Me, you know, the it was only probably eight i think eight years ago that we put the first season of that to air but gay representation on tv was like not really was so minimal and um well certainly the version of gay representation that you had on that show one that there wasn't it wasn't as you know a stereotypical you know if there'd been gay representation it still fit in some sort of stereotypical box even if it was meant to be in a um positive way even i i even think of shows like um uh what was the, I uh, now completely blanking, the L word and even these sort of shows that were like on the vanguard of, you know, here we go, here are some shows that are, mm-hmm. but there was still kind of about a scene or a life or a world that you were like, okay, but your show was this like, I oh know this is just like a normal, like as in like an ordinary show about other things where I think actually it also kind of happens the, the most kind of interesting thing about it was that the heat, my best friend was a straight guy, right. you know? You don't see that very often. Well, that's what that's what I mean. It wasn't, yeah. and uh, but everyone was about representation about the character, you know. But it was me. <laughs> it's like it's just me. I don't really know what my point was. No, well, I mean the the I I the responsibility of representation. I think that if you're you're writing about these things, people are going to put that on you, regardless of whether you think about it making it. But I was just interested in how much you thought about it when you're making it. Yeah, we do a lot. Of, we do a lot of research. Yeah. And clearly, yeah, that you that you've chosen to go down this path says to me that, you know, these are stories that you're interested in telling and sharing. What is it that appeals about, you know, the sort of characters that you do write about? Yeah, obviously, yeah, the first one, you, but not that. Yeah, thing about please like me is it wasn't like a, you know, a, a Josh Thomas vehicle in a way. Like you clearly had put as much care into every other character in the show as you would put into you yeah and it feels like the new show is going to be the same sort of thing whereas like you take care on making sure each of the people in the show are fully formed as people and as a character so what what is it about a character that intrigues you when you want to write um (laughs) yeah i just write people i like and i like people that are a bit should we bring it back to that quote i like people that are a bit different you know that you like um you kind of learn what's good about them. It's not like immediately apparent. You like learn what's good about them. I think is nice. Um, 
Okay, you've, you've, you've leaned off your chair now, so I'm going to take that as a body language sign that uh, we're done talking about this bit of the... I just didn't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. You don't, it's, it's fine. Let, let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about John for a minute. I want to talk about John for a minute. Because, My dog? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, tell me about you know, John. Like, <laughs> I'm much more interested than Steve Price was on the project. It was like, John, that's not a weird name for a dog, Why isn't it? Why he just play the game with like, me that no, I was no, giving him? Right. Why, why don't... You gave him a, a great offer. Said as you Steve would. Price compliment my dog. Yeah, and he just there. Are, that's uh, the thing. But John's a bit of a weird name, isn't it? Yeah, not really. Yeah. It's just oh, a name, isn't it, okay, for a dog? Dad. Uh, but no, I tell me about why John is so important to you. How did John come into your life? <laughs> well, I had John since I was nineteen. Yeah. I had John. I got John when I was straight. Mm. He's thirteen now, <laughs> and he's just still there. I just think he's really cute dog. I he just can't believe dog. how cute he is. Yeah. Mostly, I just want everyone to see how cute he is. And uh, he's really old now. I've been single for a year because I've never been single before. I've always had a boyfriend, like, in a real, like, pathological way. Like, there's mm. been no gap in between. Um, and uh, now it's just me and him on the side of the hill in, in L.A. And he just, like, leans into me real slow because he has no energy. And he goes... Like that because he loves me. Does do, do, does that the fact that he is visibly aging? Yeah, make you think about mortality. Like, <laughs> is, I mean, you know, without wanting to be a real bummer about it, but like, is yeah, is that the sort of thing that you're starting to go? Oh shit, John's not going to be here. He's going like, to die forever. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I think about when I look at him, and he get every day he gets slower, and then every day he takes like thirty more seconds to walk up the steps. I don't know if I need to move somewhere. Is it all steps get on all the couches and stuff? He's gonna die. I thought about cloning him, but then I realized it's evil. <laughs> um, it's also tough on John too, you know. No, they just take some hairs. Oh no, I want to. Yeah, but, him as but a my point being that I'm just like John Two's always just gonna be John's clone. You oh, know, John Two doesn't get to be. He's never gonna be his own person. Like, I don't think I'll yeah. get another dog after John dies. I think it's, I don't think I can. He's just such a good dog. Um, do you think about uh, death much? I, I always ask people this, do by you? the way. Um, I, I, I must admit, I think about it. I, I went through a period of time earlier in the year where I was, it turns out, probably depressed. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think I was depressed. But, you know, when I described the symptoms of what I was going through, other people would say, yeah, you're depressed. Just I thought you were just tired. <laughs> well... I, as I said to somebody, I said, like, I always thought of depressed as being the example that I always used is I never wanted to, yeah, kill myself, hurt myself, but I found myself often thinking, gee, it'd be just nice if I didn't wake up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do it myself, <laughs> but if, you know, if this plane crashed or if I just went to bed tonight and didn't wake up tomorrow, I would actually find that quite a relief, you do, know? Yeah. And I mean, I feel that way, but I don't think yeah. I feel it in a dark way. I don't feel like when I get turbulence on a plane, 
And I think as the plane's going to go down, I do just sort of get a bit relaxed. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I've got a really busy week next week. This <laughs> yeah. is really clear up my calendar. I'm not scared of dying at all yeah. in like a real weird way. Like I don't like, um, I just doesn't, I just doesn't cross my mind. And when I, the times that like, like that, where the plane's maybe going to crash, I've never thought like, oh no, I've been like, oh, okay, well that's the end. It doesn't seem that scary to me because it's so like hard to imagine because everything just stops. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't like dying if I had to be around for it, right. but I'm dead. It's not my problem. Yeah, you're the one person who doesn't need to deal with it. No, I'm scared Everybody of people else. dying. Yeah. I'm scared of my poor little dog dying. Uh, and we're planning his funeral, but um, I don't... Uh, I'm not scared of me dying. Who? What do I care? Do you, And you have no belief of, you know, any you know, uh, life after <laughs> life, you know, that you're going to become, you know... But even there's no sort of, you know, you'll become atoms and part of the universe or you don't have any sort of belief system around. You believe that once you're dead, you're dead? I mean, I had to write a eulogy for, like, a character in my show and, like, please like me. She was atheist and it was all about, like how she goes back into the earth and then like trees grow from that. And that's like nice, you know, on the, on the earth things perish. And then from that life is built. But I, I don't know if that's like, I don't, I don't find any genuine comfort in that. Mm. I just needed the scene. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I'm happy to just be dead. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I don't know. Oh, a... I'm much happier just to be dead. Because, <laughs> like, if there is any judgment or afterlife or those sort of things, that's when it gets a little oh awkward. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? That's when it's tricky. It's like you get home from a yeah. hard day's work and your partner wants you to vacuum. Yeah. Yes. It's like, no, I don't want to. Just you. needed to watch some TV. I go to bed. Well, what about love then? Because you mentioned that. You know, you mentioned the idea that you sort of, you know, the serial boyfriends and then, you know, it's been a year. Is Is that something that you're happy about are you liking not being in this or is it like where is what how important is love in your life at the moment i really wanted to be single the big reason why i broke up with my last boyfriend was because i hadn't been single since mm. i was 19 and i was like i need to learn how to survive in this world <laughs> i just have to go out i can't just hide under you like my like i used to hide under my mother's dress at parties you know i need to go i need to like become a person um but I've done that now. <laughs> I did. It was like a yeah. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> and I don't. I mean, I've been busy. I've been so busy. So it's not like romance hasn't been a big thing. You know, like the making a TV show in America actually is not the same. And they will keep you in that factory all day, every day, like six and a half days a week. I was there. Um, and so I don't know what I would have done with a boy. I would have fell asleep on him very quietly, the same way my dog does on me. I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like being alone in the house. Do you like being alone in the house? I feel like you kind of like quite like being alone. Yeah. Yeah. I really do. You're a cat person. Yeah. Well, no, I have dogs as well. Yeah. You're a cat person though. Well, well I have both. I like cats <laughs> and dogs. But it doesn't mean you're not a cat person. Mm, okay. I'm a cat person. Yeah. If you, <laughs> I think if you like being alone in the house and you've got cats, you're a cat person. Is that right? That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's how I see cat people. I mean, I, yeah, look, I, you know, you what? I'm probably actually really a cat person, but I'm much like the rest of my life. I like to convince society that I can also be a dog person. You do both. Yeah. Be, I guess you could be a dog and a cat person. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance between uh, the sort of person I actually am and the sort of person that I understand is better for me functionally to present as, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, 
I the truth is that I'd much rather you and I just have this conversation like on a roof sometime mm-hmm. in the corner of a party that both of us are kind of trying to avoid and we could just actually talk <laughs> about what we really wanted to talk about. But I feel like this is a much more, um, you know, this is a socially acceptable way of us having this conversation. I don't think I ever would have this conversation with you on a rooftop. Yeah. I want to yeah. talk about dicks in that. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. When I say the real conversation, <laughs> yeah. it would have a lot more dicks in it. Yeah. Who you fucking? That yeah. would be the whole conversation. <laughs> Who you fucking? Who you want to fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who I have like you that. fucked? What were they I like? like? That conversation. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that conversation. Yeah. No, that's all right too. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, one of the, my favorite conversations I've ever had is uh, Justin uh, Hamilton, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Gleason, uh, Limo, and myself. Uh, in, the Rat Pack. Yeah. Well, particularly as I'm about to tell you this uh, anecdote, decided. I mean, it's got to have been f- at least five years ago, but it might even be more, uh, that we would decide to have a, like a kind of semi-ironic boys trip to Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like the most unlikely, you know, hangover posse to ever really make it to Las Vegas. It was New Year's Eve and we decided to go to New Year's Eve to uh, P. Diddy's party that he was throwing at a nightclub, mm-hmm. you know, so like really, you know, lean into the idea of celebrating the really ridiculous doing nature of it. Mm-hmm. Had a very good time. Uh, but we had to drive back to LA a couple of days later and I was the only one who was in a fit state to drive. Maybe the only one who, who, who was comfortable driving over there. And we got caught in a snowstorm on the way back and it took 14 hours to get from. In the uh, desert? Yeah. It gets really, really cold in the desert in the middle of uh, in w- winter, apparently. Oh, yeah, we didn't know that either. I've done that drive hungover. And 14 four, hours. Oh, I thought it was six. And that was rough. 14. Oh. Stuck, sometimes not moving in the traffic because of the snowstorms. The three other people in the car have not slept, have been having a very, very good time. So you can imagine the conversation got extremely loose. And at one stage for an hour, we had a conversation where we went through each of our friends just because we'd run out of things to talk about and said, if you had to, if you had to murder them, how would you do it? (laughs) And we would like literally go through friends after friend and explain how we would murder them. Was I good enough friend to get murdered? I I don't think I was on the list. Probably not back then. How would you murder me? Mm. How would I murder you? Yeah. You know what? does, Does John look your face? No. Oh. It's quite standoffish, actually. Uh, okay. I was going to poison his tongue and get him to, like, <laughs> you know, administer. Like, I thought that would be quite a poetic way for... Just a slow little... Just a sl- yeah, you licked to death by John. You turned John against me? Well, no, John, wouldn't, John would be an unwitting accomplice in this. I would have to find some sort of poison that mm-hmm. was fine for dogs, but not for, not for human beings. Well, you can't kill me and not him at the same time. He'll be mortified. No, 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 oh, no, 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 he's going to prison. <laughs> I'm framing John. I've got to get away with this. Uh, and then no. I'm releasing to the world my brilliant new TV series about autism. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just hit you with a car. Oh. Vans and Would you be driving the car? Yeah, I just you... drive it. I just, <laughs> hit you with it. I just get it done. That's my motto. Just, just get, it, get done. it done. What are you? What are you fucking around don't... with? Finding a poison and putting it on a dog's tongue? Well, you could trying just to make it perfect. get a rental Mate, car, drive it into him. Yeah, car. not even my car. I'm going to rent a car, and I I will murder you today. We can do it now if you would like. Sure, give yeah. a couple of hours. Uh, I always ask this. So we're going to finish up in a minute, but um, I. 
I'd like to ask just a couple of general questions, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, do you know the moment in your life where you were most proud? <laughs> uh, what was I most proud of? Yeah. <laughs> is there anything that you have done that you think, oh yeah, that's what I'm, that, that, that thing or that, that moment is the thing that I am most proud of doesn't need to be the best thing you've done. doesn't need to be the, just the thing that you personally are like, you know, it my could be learning a skill. My moment element of spite to Go it, Go on. Though. No, it's fine. Because, you know, my, the first season of my show got moved to ABC2. Yes. And then they weren't going to pick up a season two because mm. ABC2 doesn't have a budget. Mm. Um, and then, uh, but it was maybe uh, eight months before it went to air. In that time, I did Celebrity Splash because I had no job and my show had been axed basically before it even went to air. So when that show, like, did well... And we got a season two. It was like a, a very vindicating moment. But there's an element of spite in that. It's because I was rejected in the first place. But that that helps you feel the pride more, doesn't it? If you just yeah. truck along sometimes, you don't realize it's good. But when you think you've failed and then you get accolades, that's the only time. But I don't usually generally... Otherwise, I don't really feel it that much with my work. I don't like... It's not like where I put my... It's not where I put my... It's not where I put my like all my emotions. Uh, the boyfriend that I'm no longer with. What do you think the the strength of you as a writer or a performer is? What's like? <laughs> uh, what do, yeah? What what is it that you know is unique to you that you know you, that's? I guess the yeah. Everybody has a range of tools that they use, but you know, there's always going to be one that you do. Okay, well, but this is the thing that is kind of the thing that makes me unique. I mean, know? mine is that it's honest, right? Like I just have, like I just never. Even if I'm lying, it's very good at not being bullshit. And it's like very important to me that the things that I do feel sincere. Um, and I think there's that. That's it, really. And what about weakness then? What other side of the coin? What is it that, you know, when you're at your worst, what is it? Uh, just my like... Uh, I mean, you saw that thing on the project. What would we call that? I see, but I loved that. To me... I I, I love nothing more than that because you came on to do something different. You came on to perform. You gave them an offer. You had a picture of your dog. You were giving like, you know, your energy on the panel was non-traditional. You had a thing going with Tommy Little. It was, yeah. it could have been amazing. I, and now again, I, I think I, I made my I, head a bit too much on that. I, I want to tell. I didn't go with them. As much as yeah. they didn't go with me, I don't think. I didn't really go with them. And I Yes, think but you're a, you're a performer that needs people to come along with it a little bit or yeah. go the complete opposite where you could then react off the fact that, but they were trapped in between where they were on your side, but not doing anything to help you in any way, <laughs> you know, and it would have been better if they were one of the two, either completely with you or completely against you. And then you could have bounced what you were doing yeah. off them. But I'm glad you think it's, but you fault. were giving them all the offers that you would possibly need. I'm going to tell this story and it's not, I, I hate telling this story because, if, in fact, you know what? I won't even mention the person who was into. I was watching an interview once, and the interviewer was interviewing David Bowie. Mm -hmm. And David Bowie had clearly been on a range of press tours and um, was getting asked the same questions by this interviewer that he'd been asked by all the other people on that tour. And you could just tell that David Bowie was a bit bored by what was mm -hmm. going on. He wasn't being impolite, but you could just tell he was on autopilot and mid interview. 
uh, the interviewer had this like bowl of like candy of lollies on the, on his table, which I now realize has given away pretty much who it was. But anyway, uh, he, he, he reaches in and he starts, you know, like eating or like, you know, playing with the, the candy, the, the lollies. And the interviewer just went on to the next question. And I always remember just watching that going, no, just talk to him about the candy. Yeah. You know, like- anything. Does he like it? Does he want to eat it? How many can he eat? What does he have backstage? If he was filling a bowl with candy, what would it be? What's your favorite candy? Have you ever had a candy named after you? Like, I don't care what it is, but he's giving you an offer. Mm -hmm. Like he has done something that is out of the usual, you know, questions from the pre-interview. He is coming on here with this offer to make this a moment that people will be compelled by, that people will remember much more than you just answering the three or four questions questions. in in the afternoon. So I love that. Like that, you know, I'll remember you on the, on the project (laughs) more than, you know, the, the other 50 interviews they did. I think in my those two weeks. weakness is that I'm just very inconsistent. Yeah. And I'm like very, like, it depends on my mood. Or it depends on my confidence that day. And I just, you just, and I, people don't like really booking me on those shows mm. very much because they really don't know what they're going to get. Because yeah. um, you don't like to lie. Pardon? I don't like to lie. Because those shows are lies. That's, yeah. it's, the pantomime is, come on, do your bits, be funny, great to be here. Yes, I do have a funny story about it. Here it is in 15 seconds. There's my punchline. Now, Steve Price, you asked me about the dog. Here's my funny bit about that. Move on. Carrie, have you got a question? That's yeah. That's what they want. That's what they want, and I didn't, and I didn't, I can't really do that. And I got on that show. Like the first thing I said, I think I touched Tommy Little's face, and I said, I don't, I haven't been on television for six years. I can't remember how this works, which wasn't the plan, no. right? <laughs> but also, is a great offer. Yeah, good offer. Good right? offer. They just had to Go try and calm me down yeah. or something. It would have been funny, but yeah. Um. So I think, like, I think I'm just not that. I, like, I definitely. You saw me panic a bit when I found out this wasn't edited. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Because I just get, get a bit loose. And sometimes I forget my point. And then sometimes I just am uh, in a weird mood. And then, yeah. But that's, yeah. I mean, I, it goes back to the fact that you, you know, respond to being real. Yeah. You know, that, that honesty is, and honesty is sometimes really confronting to people because honesty means, eh, I'm, I'm not feeling this. Or, just often a hot mess not, in front of people. I mean, that's my weakness is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. This but even when Steve it. Price was like, oh, what dog, uh, John, that's a weird name for a dog. And you just said something very much like, I see what you're trying to do. And I, I was like, yes, because that's the honest reaction, which is, yes, I get. Yeah, you think that, like, but I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother engaging in it. But I acknowledge what you're trying to do dog yeah, yeah. also I feel, like, I feel like he's asked me that on the show before <laughs> uh, alright we're nearly done um, but uh, tell me this um, I have a time machine I do not have a time machine mm-hmm. by the way but um, oh I, actually I'll ask you this question because it comes off what we were saying before um, there used to be this uh, TV show called Heroes it was a kind of schlocky you know thing about all these people who suddenly got Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, superpowers, and uh, one of the villains in the show, his superpower was that he could, if he killed, you know, one of the other people, he he then got their superpower as well. So if the person could add, like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, fire breath, if he killed them, he now had fire breath, right? If you could take a skill from anyone in the world, you know, uh, hero style, what skill is it that you would love to have? Whose skill would you love to have? 
Uh, actually, yeah, it would be um, cinematic visual elegance. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the truth. It wouldn't be. Uh, it would be like um, who's like a really good visually elegant director, Tarantino. I take his cinema skills. Yeah. And you feel like you don't have that sort of... Not as good as Tarantino. No. I mean, I got like mid-shot, wide-shot. <laughs> uh, I got like, uh, sometimes I put the camera up high, you know. <laughs> but like, I, don't, I don't know how to do a car chase or whatever. And I, wish I, I wish I knew how to do that stuff. Because it's hard to write, actually, sometimes. Because I don't know what's like completely possible. Is that the sort of stuff that you would like to, yeah, I mean, because, you know, once this new show is a really big success and you get more offers to do other things, would you like to end up doing stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, if I knew how to make like cool action scenes and stuff, that'd be quite fun. Like it just seems like a fun, it's sort of like, um, if I said tap dancing, it just seems sort of fun to be able to do that stuff. And I don't, um, I'd love to learn, but I'm, and I sort of, I guess I am learning. What are you taking? Oh, no, no, no. I, I ask the questions in this podcast. I don't, okay. I don't have to answer them. Um, I, uh, will ask you the final question and then we'll be done. Yeah. This has been fun, by the way. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. it. Yeah. It's been nice. You don't have to lie, by the no, way. No, I like it. It's like a normal conversation. Honest. It goes for a long time. Yeah. No one's doing fake stuff or yelling at me. I like it. Uh, okay. So I have a time machine. This mm-hmm. is a bit of a, you know, a, f- a fake old question, but it, it has a reasonable point. So, uh, you get a, a trip back to a moment in your life. You can either get a do over or just observe something that happened in your life, like what, what, where would you like to go to in your life? Would you change something or just observe something? That's such a hard question. Cause you just don't know what, like you don't get the alternate. No ramifications. The there are no ramifications to this. I just am interested in w- what you immediately think of. I just don't think I would. Am I allowed to? At all. Not? You just wouldn't I not even go it. back to observe a moment in your life. Okay, say we've we've tested it on a whole bunch of other people first. Yeah. There has been no ramifications. You can just go back and watch one moment of your life. What have other people said? I mean, well, sometimes people go back and fix mistakes. Some people just like to go back and observe, like, you know, the birth of their child or a moment in their life where they, you know, did stand up for the first time. Or they or want to like, relive something that was cool. Well, to see it from a different perspective, probably, you know, to, yeah, because often the the important things that happen in your life, you don't know that they're important until later on when you look back and go, oh, that was a very pivotal moment in my life. I wish I could go back and observe that from the outside and see see how I felt at the time. By the way, a legitimate response is also, I don't want to take your stupid fucking time to travel. <laughs> so I go in the time yeah. machine to a moment in my life. I yeah. can change something or I can just watch it. Just watch it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. Don't know is also a perfectly legitimate response. I mean, for me, it's like the times that I've been falling in love with people. They're the best times. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I want to go back in there and watch that. It's a bit <laughs> icky, doesn't it? Because I'm sort of, I'm watching it now with this new point of view where, I, where I'm like, oh, but he's going to, yeah, and then this he's going to. This isn't going to work out well. seems good now, yeah. but then, oh. yeah, Wait until I hear how much he snores. Yeah, then you exactly. get Then his nose annoys me. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. I have a really bad memory. So maybe I go back to high school and try and remember what that was like. But then that seems kind of sickening, doesn't it? I feel like I get a show out of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know the answer. Uh, no, well, there isn't an answer. Your answer is the answer. Well, I want to know your answer. But I don't get it. Um, if I, I, I actually have never answered this on this, but if I had to go back to a, a moment in my life and change something, there would definitely, I would change, I would, I probably wouldn't observe. I would, I would change. There'd be, there'd, there'd be a few different things in my life that I just wish I would have acted differently to how I acted at the time. I think that particularly early on in my career, I, you know, I, I wish that I hadn't, I, f I felt like I spent a lot of time pretending that I belonged yeah. and, and some of that comes with a confidence and bravado of like, no, I belong to be here and therefore I'm going to like, whereas I wish I'd just been a little more, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm as terrified about it, this as everybody else is. And please don't think that I think I know what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing. And but how's that going to help you? How's it going to help me? Yeah, I think you like acting like you know you belong is like good. That's helpful. Yeah, it was probably helpful, but they just when I look back on my life at times where I was like, I wish that I just probably had acted differently in that moment. I wish that I hadn't, you know, like that that my confidence wasn't honest. It was pretense, right? It's like yeah. you're saying it was something that I had developed as a technique to ingratiate myself with, you know, the community and world and whatever that I you know, wanted to be part of. I wish I could just go back. I guess, you know what it is? I think I wish I could just go back and say to myself, relax a little bit more and enjoy it a bit more and try rather and than be in the moment. Working a little, it out, yeah, you know, exactly. You're not going to get it all right. And that's going to be absolutely fine. You're going to make a bunch of mistakes and that's going to be absolutely fine. Don't get so upset about when things fuck up because things will continue to fuck up and, and you'll be okay. That's probably what I would do. That's nice. I'd redo one of my breakups now that I'm thinking of things I regret. Yeah, I'd do a better job of that breakup. I did a bad job of it. I'd do that again. Make it better. I think. That's all you get to know about it. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. yeah. But we got an answer. And so that's There the you end. go. Um, so your shows uh, right around Australia. Stand up, yes, yes. Whoopsie Daisy, and uh, that's the name of the show. And is it just you? Do you have a, a support? There's How a supporter in Sydney, um, and uh, and then uh, the rest of the time it's just me there for seventy five minutes. Chatting. And are you going to stand up? I don't know yet. I okay. might sit on the stool. <laughs> I've well, decided. I've stood up for the end of this uh, this chat, mate. It's been really nice to to catch up with you, and um, thank you for coming to do this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Will. 